it uh, highlights the idea, and that is exactly how Jews, Jews also can and must be saved. And so you have this idea of, okay, there's a God-ordained purpose to the ancient nation of Israel, their existence, their role, their place as a nation, and that's been fulfilled. And so now Jews and Gentiles alike receive together divine blessings by faith in Christ. And that's pretty much the, the whole point of chapter 11, to, to emphasize that idea that Jews and Gentiles alike are saved by faith and they can be saved. And so you see this idea that, yes, God sanctified the nation, the physical nation of Israel. Uh, and you see that whole story in the Old Testament. But now, that physical nation is no longer the favored remnant. Why? Well, because they rejected the Messiah. They rejected God's anointed one, God's Savior. But individual Jews could accept by faith God's choice. And as a result, they in turn can partake of life from the dead. And that's the question that is asked in verse 15 when, he, when it says, If their rejection is the reconciliation of the world, will their acceptance be but life from the dead? And you think, oh, what possibilities lie there? And to me, as you know, I was preparing for today's lesson and just you know, kind of meditating on the chapter again, this chapter is an amazing revelation of God's character. Just the magnitude of who our God is and what he has, you know, what he has done and to what, what extent he has uh, accomplished his will so all men have access to his gifts. And so all Jews, like all Gentiles, are in a state of spiritual death. But they don't have to stay dead. They don't have to remain in death. Because in Christ, believers are made alive. And, and those points have already been brought out in the defense of the gospel in earlier chapters of Romans. For example, in Romans 3 verse 9, you know, that well-known chapter of basically shutting up all under sin because all have sinned. In verse 9, he says, Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. Gentiles are dead in sin. Jews are dead in sin. But in Christ, through Christ, the believer that submits with an allegiance to the king, that believer can be made alive. And so you see the argument you know, of the gospel being, being presented beginning there in, in chapter 5, for example, verse 1, when he says, having been justified by faith. They were not just in sin. They were not justified in their sin and staying in their sin. But by faith, there is justification. And he says, and we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So they, you know, so they access the avenues through Christ. In chapter 6, once again, it's the whole idea of, of this idea, those dead in sin can be made alive. 
but it's going to be through Christ by faith. And so in verse 11, he says, Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. And so the point is, a sinful Jew has opportunity to be saved. And so today, as we pick up the other half of the chapter, you know, we focus in on this continued argument of the idea that it is by God's kindness or by God's goodness that he prunes and grafts according to man's response of faith. Based upon the nature of the kind of faith they have determines whether God prunes you or he grafts you. And he says, and he's doing this so everybody all may share the same blessings of his covenant. And so Romans 11, as we've tried to emphasize, Romans 11 continues this idea to defend that Jews can be saved. That's really the main point. All can be saved. But the point is, are the point, Jews can be saved. That's why he starts off the question, has God rejected his people? And Paul says, certainly not. God has not just, you know, you know just wrote, written them off totally. He said, okay, I'm done with you forever, and I'm not going to offer you any mercy ever again. No, that's not the point. No, Jews can be saved. They can be a part of the righteous remnant of God's grace by faith. Because it is the remnant that is going to be saved. Yeah. And so Jews can be part of that remnant again. And so you have this exposition of God here showing mercy to both the Jew as well as the Gentile, all who believe, with this kind of secondary point to warn the Gentile Christians, watch your attitude. I find that very powerful here. He's, he's, and so when you think about it, the real point of the chapter is to tell the Gentiles, Jews can be saved. He says, and y'all need to watch your attitude. You know, Gentile Christians. When you begin to think about your own standing, that you are recipients of God's grace and you've received this kindness, he says, okay, but watch your attitude about that. You know, you know, that, you know where you are, why you're there, how did you get here? Watch your attitude. And also watch your attitude toward Jews you know, who have been cut off. But God says they can be brought back into that relationship. And so Romans chapter you know, 11, beginning verse 16, begins with this idea of how the Spirit is warning Gentiles not to be arrogant. Not to be conceited about their acceptance. God has received them into his grace. And yes, he's rejected unbelieving Jews. But he says, you need to watch out your attitude about this. Now, in the first half of the chapter, if you remember, in verse 13 and 14, it talks about the idea of Paul's role as an apostle to the Gentiles. Uh, and that was his, you know, his primary you know, aspect of ministering the gospel is to take the message of Christ you know, you know, outside of his fellow kinsmen, Jewish relations uh, to those that were considered the outcast of the world. And so 
that was Paul's work, but he definitely does not now want these Christians, such as the Christians in Rome, he does not want you know, his you know, Gentile brethren you know, to start having a misunderstanding of how God made this reconciliation possible. He wants them to understand, yes, reconciliation has come to the world, and there, there was this role that Israel played in the sense when they rejected the Messiah and crucified him, that, that all was part of you know, God's plan, and they helped carry out God's plan. But he said, but you don't need to have the wrong estimation of yourself. Don't get the big head here. Now that you are recipients of God's grace and you are part of this remnant of the faith. And it begins by using two illustrations of holiness. And you see that in verse 16. Verse 16, you've got the example that relates to the law of first fruits. And then you've got the example of a tree's roots and branches. So those are these two illustrations. And the point is to help us to understand holiness. Holiness, uh, yeah. well, what, what is holiness? If you define holiness, what is it? Purity. Anybody? Just shout it out. Purity. Huh? Purity. Purity, okay. That's involved with it, yes. Being like God. Being like God. That's all part of it. What's the simple definition of holiness? Set apart. We, huh? Carrie? Set apart. Set apart. And the idea, yeah, that's like sanctified, you know, means holiness. Holiness means sanctified. Those who have been sanctified, set apart, are holy. That's why you, as God's children, who are sanctified by and through Christ, are called what? If you have been sanctified, what are you? Saints. You're saints. And it involves purity, because we're called to purity. You know, it involves, you know, this, the idea of godliness and seeking God because we're called to that. It's all, and that's all part of it. But the whole point is God has made a choice, a decision. I have taken this and I have made this special. And so in uh, Genesis 12, when God made that promise to Abraham, he was sanctifying not only Abraham, but he was also sanctifying the descendants of Abraham. He, 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 and so you have this idea of the holiness there. And of course, then when you, they're at Mount Sinai, and now they are a nation of people, and God is carrying out his promises. You know, he's trustworthy. He's, he, he, he does not lie. Yeah. And so he's going to carry out his plan. And so he comes back you know, to the descendants of Abraham. And now they're a large number of people. And he talks about how he chose them. And you're going to be my people and my possession and my kingdom and my priest. And so these two illustrations in Romans illustrate the idea of holiness. Something that has been set apart you know, sanctified by God for God. And that's really the idea of being sanctified. So in Christ, as Christians, we have been sanctified by God for God. That's what our life is all about now. And it is by mercy and grace in Christ and through Christ 
that we succeed. We don't succeed because of our own righteousness. We succeed because of mercy, grace, and truth. And we hold to this allegiance to Christ to be you know, holy as God is holy. And so the, the, the law of first fruits, and you, for example, Exodus chapter 24, 34, 26 talks about the first fruit of what? The first fruit of everything you, you had. And so whether you're talking about crops or livestock, the first fruits of a, uh, of a harvest, what do you do with that? You give it to God. And depending on what it was, you know, depending on what you did with it. So but you, that first fruit was God's. So what about your firstborn son? Set apart. It was set apart for God. Now, he wasn't sacrificed, you know, but there, had, there was a sacrifice connected to that. And so there's the, the side of redemption related there. But the firstborn son was sanctified to God. And so, all, you know, so we have all these ideas of, of the fruits. For example, in Numbers, num, not Numbers, in Leviticus 23, talks about the sheep offering. And that was related to the idea of the first fruits of your grain. You take that, so it's, it has been devoted to God, and so, you know, it, you know, and so now you're going to do something with it as God directed. So you had the sheep offering of the first fruits of your harvest. But in Numbers 15, if you'll turn there very quickly, in Numbers 15, yeah, and so once again, you, we are in the period of the wilderness wanderings. The wilderness wanderings. And God had something to say to Israel, you know, about when they arrived in the promised land. And in Numbers 15, beginning of the verse 8, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the sons of Israel. And say to them, when you enter the land where I bring you, I think that's important. Okay, you're going you're to reach this because I'm going to make it happen. And God did in spite of their stubbornness and hard-heartedness. God kept his promise. And he says, but when you do enter this land, when, when I bring you there, he said, then it shall be that when you eat of the food of the land, you shall lift up an offering to the Lord. So, but this is not just your, your harvest, because when they entered the land, what were, what were they getting? They were getting someone else's harvest. So yes, they're going to have, a, but when they first enter, they, you know, it's not their harvest, but there's food already there. And he says, so when you enter the land, he says, you know, he says you're, you're going you're to take of the first, you're going to take the first, in verse 20, of your dough. So they enter the land, and they gather whatever, and they're gonna they're gonna make some bread or, or cake, yeah. And he says, but when you take when you have that first dough, he says, you should lift up a cake as an offering, as the offering of threshing floor. So you shall lift it up from the first of your dough. You shall give it to the Lord an offering throughout your generation. The first fruit belonged to God, and the first dough belonged to God. And so, therefore, you see holiness. This is sanctified, so this is sanctified, and this is sanctified. And that's the point. 
If the first fruits in the dough was concentrated, consecrated to the Lord, then the whole dough shared in that same holiness. And he talks about the, the root, you know, the tree. Same thing. If a if tree's root is holy, if the root is holy, what's going to grow out of that root will be what? It will too be holy. It's one of the what did God set apart? What did God sanctify? He says, well, God has sanctified, you know, this idea of his people and his plan of salvation. And so God chose Abraham to be the father of Israel. And so Abraham was chosen. He was sanctified for God's purpose, you know, because he was such a great man of faith. And so his descendants who are going to grow out of that root are going to be holy. And so the nation had a purpose. But Abraham was not just the father of the physical nation of Israel. What else, based upon Romans, go back to you know, one of Carrie's lessons, based upon Romans, particularly Romans 4, he's also, he's not just, he wasn't just the father of the physical nation, he's the father of who? He's father of the spiritual nation. He's the father of all those who believe like Abraham believed. And so you see the idea of sanctification. And so based upon the, the tree's root, he says the branches will be whole because all those who are called according to God's purpose are holy. Now, verse 16 is to illustrate what he explains in the rest of the chapter. The fact that branches who are grafted in or regrafted in to the root are holy because God sanctified it for his purpose. Any, any thought before we kind of go on, talk some more about you know, the application of Romans 11 here. Anything to add? All right. So as we keep illustrating, and, I can't, and we can't stress it you know, you know, enough, because that's exactly what Romans does. The idea, it is faith, it is faith that's going to grant access. And, he's, and that faith, the right kind of faith is grant access to the Gentile, is a grant access to the Jews. So both of them can partake of and share in the richness of what he calls here the olive tree. And I just find this a, a beautiful imagery. When you think of this, here is God's family tree. You thought about that? This is God's family tree. And the, the idea of God has a family is not, is, 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 is not only talked about here in, in Romans. You know, you think about over in Ephesians, you know, Ephesians 1, 5, talking about what God foreordained, God predestined in Christ. And one of the, one of the blessings in there. You know, that emphasize the relationship fellows we have is that we have been what into this family? You remember? Some people have, have children because of this process. Adopted. We have been adopted into this family. See, but once again, the whole point is God has a family. And he's brought us into that family. We are part of God's family tree. If you are in Christ... If you're in Christ by faith, your name is in that tree. 
Your name is, you know, you are one of those branches of this massive tree, you know, that belongs to God. Or you think about in uh, 1 John 3, 1, he said, you know, talk about this, it's the immensity of God's love. And what a wonderful uh, example of that love is, he behold, the, you know, what manner of love has bestowed upon us that we are called what? Children. 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 You know, and we need to understand the magnitude of that idea. We are God's children. We need to feel the connection. And that's why we can pray to him not just as the Almighty God, but we can pray to Him, Abba, Father. See? And so here we have in Romans chapter 11, God's family tree. And the point is, He says, and Jews and Gentiles, you can be part of this. You all can be part of this now. See, that's God at work. That's not men at work. That is God at work. That is God's planting. That is God's workmanship. But, you know, but once again, there's this thrust that one of the main things he's trying to argue in this section of, of, of Romans is to say, okay, you Gentiles, you are so blessed. And, it's and, and yes, there is this hardening of heart. And there's this rejection of God. This is casting off of Jews that had a, play, a role in the whole scheme of redemption. You know, that Satan could not prevent from happening. And actually, his scheming played a part in it. And he says, he says but you Gentiles are so blessed, but don't. Get arrogant, don't get conceited, you know, don't think too, too much of yourself. And he said, why? Because it's the root that supports the branches, verse 18. These Gentiles have been grafted in. They are part of God's family. They are part of God, and their name is here. Of all people, as Ephesians 2 talks about, those who are outside of the commonwealth of Israel, those who were not part of the promises, those who were alienated from God and had no hope. But now they have hope. <laughs> By, you know, through the peace of Christ, they've been brought into this relationship. And so God's redemptive plan has granted two sinners, Jewish sinners, Gentile sinners, the same blessings of mercy and grace, and it's made possible again. It's God's choice. God's choice working through not someone's goodness. He says, you know, you, know, it, you don't support this root, Gentiles. He says, it's me. I support this. And he says, yes, I, it was my choice to choose Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It was my choice to choose Judah and David. All part of God's great plan, providing this lineage through which the promised seed and blessing came to the world to save sinners. Israel was part of that. To grant spiritual blessings to everybody. He says, but y'all need to watch your attitude. Yeah. And he said, Leanne, right there. I just wanted to say, um, Gentiles were grafted in because they weren't a part of the old law. So they were kind of grafted in with the Jewish people. So they really couldn't be boastful or, or uh, prideful about anything. Because without, without Christ and without the old law, they really wouldn't have been able to salvation and also this is a reminder for us when somebody messes up or whatever don't take 
pride in it. Don't gloat over it. Don't use it to your advantage. You're supposed to humbly correct that person and love that person with God, with the fear, with the, the love of God. You know, God, God adopted us not because we were worthy of adoption, but because his son loved us so much that he forgave us. I mean, Father, forgive them on, on when he was being crucified. And we all know we would not have said that had we been crucified. So just just remember that. And also, most most trees that are pretty, they, they are grafted with other trees. So that's what makes God's family tree very, very beautiful. Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful, wonderful blessing that we all have today. And so, so it's the, you know, the branches on this tree, just like the branches on the vine in John 15, they are individuals that are part of this a relationship, this fellowship, you know, based upon faith. And so you either are grafted in because of faith or you've been cut off because of unbelief. And so the point, Gentiles, you have been grafted in and, and you are now sharing in the richness and you're doing it through faith. And so, and once again, they were not part, you know, as Leanne was, Leanne was bringing out, they were not part of the former earlier covenant relationship that Israel had, but now they are part of God's plan. And so the, and the practical application is watch your attitude, watch your attitudes about Jews, watch your attitude about the fact that yes, Jews were cut off, you know, from God's fellowship. And, and he said, but you need to realize, you know, were, you know, they were not cut off you know, just so you can be grafted in. God says, okay, he's not, you know, that's not the point. He said, were they cut off? Yes, they were cut off. You're right, they were cut off. But they were cut off because of unbelief. That's why they were cut off. They weren't cut off so that you could be grafted in. That they're the only No, that's not the point. He says, they were cut off because of unbelief. Yeah. And so the point is, I think it hints at the idea that perhaps there was a growing thinking that, you know, there's no way Gentiles could be grafted in unless Jews were basically all cut off. And that is limiting, that's limiting God's ability to save a sinner who truly believes. You know, they were broken off because of unbelief. Here's, here's just a thought question. What if they had not been unbelievers? You know, Jesus was going to die. <laughs> Jesus was going to be crucified. But what if there were Jews that were not unbelievers? What if, you know, you know, let's just hypothetically, you know, the idea of what if Jews were never cut off from the tree? Now, their unbelief played a role. Their transgression and rejection against Christ played a role. Yeah. But them being cut off, yeah, is not why they're grafted in. The point is they are cut off because of their unbelief, and you are grafted in because of your belief. Yeah. And I think it's just an idea. You think about just when you're studying particularly the the, the challenges, the hardships, the conflicts in the first century church and the Jewish-Gentile you know, you know, relationship there that they had to work through together 
to both be Christ-like minded in their treatment of each other. You think about that relationship. And in my judgment, in my opinion, there, there, there may be sometimes this uh, aspect that we have a tendency, and maybe rightfully so, because there's, you know, that I, it was all on the Jewish side, that only Jews had the wrong attitude. That only Jews, you know, had the wrong estimation of, and I'm talking about Jewish Christians, only the Jewish Christians, those converted out of Judaism, that are having, you know, they're having some growing problems, some growing pains. So it, it, it all is only one-sided. And I think Romans 11 brings up, it wasn't just one-sided. You know, Jews are not the only ones that have the danger of being cut off because of unbelief, being cut off because of pride and prejudice. He says, Gentiles, you too need to be careful. You know, watch your attitude. And so that's where they're told, you need to fear, fear God because you can be cut. You say Gentiles, you've been grafted. And he says, you can, be, you can be cut off too. And so there's this, there's this call in verse 22 to them. He says, you know, to continue in God's goodness or God's kindness Otherwise, you also will be cut off. You know, can a Christian fall from God's grace so that he's eternally lost? Yes. Romans 11 is an excellent text. To illustrate those who have been grafted in, brought into the remnant of faith, if they don't continue in faith. He says, God... God who made it possible to bring into that fellowship is the God who will also judge you and cut you off. Yeah. And even the idea, the idea of continuing in, I think that, that uh, even the word obedience you know, is not emphasized right here. Disobedience is talked about you know, a little later, later on in, in our text today. But even though the word obedience is not really is found, the idea of continuing in something implies they're doing something. <laughs> you know, there, there's something going on. You know, yeah. And so it, it implies a diligent faith, an active faith. And if you think about it, even when it gets down to the verses we'll touch on uh, very soon, when he talks about how, you know, just as you were once, you were, you were once disobedient. If you're once disobedient, what are you now? You're obedient. See? And so, yeah, so this faith that Romans is talking about, as we, you know, like the whole thing, it, it's all about an obedient faith that submits to the Lord and King of our soul. And so, you know, what we see here is the challenge to these Gentile saints. You know, they've been sanctified, justified, reconciled because God's choice, God's doing, God's workmanship. And yes, and, and Israel had a role in this, you know, you know, from the beginning, you know, it was in God's mind even before God created, not only that we'd be saved in Christ, but by the implication that he already had in mind that he, you know, he would choose a nation to bring his son to the world. You know, that was in God's mind before he said, let there be light. As you think about this, you know, uh, just, you know, kind of side point is the whole idea of God's character here. And so 
What are the two, what are the two aspects of God's character or his traits that are emphasized in, in chapter 11? There's two things. Kindness and severity. Kindness and severity. And if you only have one of those, you have a half God. And you don't have a just God. Or you don't have a merciful God and a God of grace. It takes both. And God is both. And so here in Romans, this idea of the kindness of verity of God is emphasized. It is not the first time this is brought out. In the book of Romans, you know, where's the first time you have this two kind of two-sided aspect of God's character and why he does what he does? Remember what chapter? Go back a few chapters. You'll find it near the beginning of the book. Yeah, there yeah, in Romans yeah, chapter 2, when it talks about God rendering judgment according to a man's deeds. Yeah, yeah, the, the idea of these terms of kindness of error are not uh, specifically used, but the concept is there. He talks about yeah, those you know, who obey the truth versus those who don't obey the truth and what's going to happen. On the one, there's eternal life. On the other, there's wrath and indignation. And God is the one who administers that. And so once again, there's the kindness and the severity of God in Romans chapter 2. And, it, when, you, and you, when you take though this, and what this really illustrates is another concept that you know, runs throughout the New Testament message of the gospel is that God is not what a person's. He is not a respecter of persons. God is not impartial. And that's why God's plan makes it possible that whether you're a sinful Jew or a sinful Gentile, you're a disobedient Jew or you're a disobedient Gentile, God, because he's not partial, he's impartial, he's both kind and, yes, he's severe, but he's made it possible that all who want to be saved can be if they'll, by faith, submit to the king. And so in verses 23 and 24 of this, it really emphasizes the idea of this, the concept of Jews being restored back. Once I'm talking about, okay... Yes, Jews have been cut off because of their unbelief, you know, and you've only been you know, grafted in because of your belief. You're not grafted in because they were unbelievers. You're grafted in because you are believers. He says, so God's choice and God's will is that Jews can or may be restored back into the fellowship, back into the covenant relationship they were cut off from because of their unbelief. And that is good news. Think about it. The idea, a time in your life that you have been cut off because of your choices and your actions. But God says you can come back home. I'll take you back. Brian, up here. Within that kindness and that severity, you also see uh, the patience of God. And uh, it made me think about the parable in Luke chapter 13 
where Jesus is talking about the guy coming and finding that tree for three years and there's no fruit on it, mm -hmm. but yet he gives it one more year. Right. Dig around it, fertilize it, and give it one more year. And I can, I can see some parallels here beyond just the uh, agricultural ones. Right. Just that idea of, of waiting, digging, fertilizing, even among these branches that have been cut off so that they could have this opportunity, you know, one that's not found in the natural world. Right. And once a branch has been cut off, it's cut off. Right. But it's, with God, he does have that power to be patient with it to bring that branch back. Okay. Over here, Jonathan. Appreciate that. So I see you're going to uh, probably have us turn to Ezekiel 18. Um, I wanted to point out also Ezekiel 37 in the way it relates to this, because um, what you're seeing in chapter 11 of Romans is this question, first of all, um, has God rejected his people whom he has uh, foreknown? Um, and and what's, what's going on there? And you, we began by noticing that their acceptance, verse 15, is life from the dead. Well, the, this is already pictured for us in Ezekiel 37 because you have this valley full of dead, entirely dead, <laughs> dried up bones. And um, in verse 11, it says, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. So he tells us what it represents. And they are saying, these bones are saying, as, as it were, the, our bones are dried up, our hope has perished, we are completely cut off. And so you're seeing even the picture where they're cut off there, as in Romans uh, 11. But uh, the, as you're pointing out, the kindness of God is such that, um, in verse 13, you will know that I'm the Lord when I open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves, my people. I will put my spirit within them and you will come to life. I'll put you back on your own land. Um, and all of these things, it's the same two pictures there as we see in Romans 11. So I thought that would be helpful to notice. Oh, I appreciate you brought that up. That's very good. And just very quickly make mention of Ezekiel 18, a very familiar text to the many students of the Bible, where it talks about God speaks of his people and those who, you know, were walking in righteousness, if they turn from it, you know, you know it says they shall die. But if, if there's people who were once in unrighteousness, but they turn from unrighteousness to righteousness, they, you know, they will not die. And so there's the idea of, once again, the fallen can be restored. And so God, yes, as, as appreciate what you know, Jonathan you know, said. God has not rejected forever all Jews you know, from being saved, but God has predestined a choice of grace so that a Jew and a Gentile alike can be saved, but they must choose to believe in Jesus. The last little section we try to kind of sum up the, the, the class here is here in, in the last few verses of uh, uh, Romans 20, 11, 25 to 32, where he talked about the mystery of the gospel. And I really like uh, you know, that summation uh, statement in 32, God has shut up all in disobedience. And so that would include Jew and Gentile alike, you know, he, you know, so that he may show mercy to all. All have disobeyed. All have access to salvation. And so you think about this idea. I want to just say this, maybe come back to it at the beginning of class next week, Lord willing. And that is... This idea of this mystery, it involves the fullness of the Gentiles. You know, and that is, you know, all along God's plan you know, was to bring Gentiles into a covenant relationship of grace. You know, that was God's plan. You know, you know, go back to Genesis 12, you know, Genesis 15, Genesis 22. Then we know, okay, through the seed of Abraham, who's going to be blessed? 
All nations. He didn't say nation. It's all. So that was always God's plan to bring. And so you, you know, here we're in this period of the fullness of Gentiles. That, you know, this, you know, the fullness of time has arrived. Christ has come. Christ has died. Now there is oneness in Christ. But then it goes on in, in, in that same point. You know, I'll end on this thought where it talks about so and so all Israel will be saved. Another way of saying that is in the manner, in the like manner, Israel shall be saved. And so... I'll just end on this thought where it says, okay, what does that mean? Is all physical Israel going to be saved? Well, that would be contradictory to the whole context of Romans 9, 10, 11. Because we've already been told in chapter 9, 27, in 11, verse 5, we've already been told it's the remnant that's going to be saved. It's the remnant of faithful ones. And so, yes, all Jews have access but they must turn to God in faith. And so the all there is not referring to a physical Israel alone. They're going to be come back one day, you know, and Christ's going to reign on earth, you know, in Jerusalem. Your last comment over here. Uh, My mind is buzzing on, on the mountain. God said, I am the Lord your God. I will show mercy to whom I shall, will show mercy. Okay. I want to say that again so they can hear you. <laughs> On the mount, when God showed his glory to, to Moses, mm -hmm. he said, I am the Lord your God. I will show mercy to whom I will show mercy. And that's what's going on here. You got one more back there with Roger very quick. I can come on in. I would just add to it, First, uh, first Peter 1, uh, verses 13 through 25, where it's, it's bringing us to be sober-minded, our hope in the grace of Jesus Christ, uh, obedient children, not born to passion, or our born away, right. uh -huh. uh, conduct yourself with fear throughout, you know, it just goes right by that, First Peter 1, 1, 13 through 25. Thank you very much. Appreciate everybody's comment and attention. Thank you.